Welcome to the Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota soybean farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. Soybean growers provide checkoff support for the promotion of U.S. poultry and egg exports. It makes sense since poultry accounts for more than half the disappearance of U.S. produced soybean meal. In other words, what is good for the export of U.S. poultry and eggs is good for U.S. soybean growers. This episode of the Soybean Pod will give us a better idea of the importance of soybean checkoff investment in foreign interest of U.S. poultry and eggs. Okay, I'm Mike McCraney. I farm with my wife and two sons in the northeast part of South Dakota, a little farming community called Claremont. We raise soybeans and corn. I um, sit on the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council, and through that organization, I represent them with the organization called USAPEAK. That stands for the United States of America Poultry Egg Export Council. You're involved with several facets of the soybean checkoff, or have been in the past. Give us an idea of the scope of your involvement, both on the state level and national level as well. Okay, through the state, I was appointed to the United Soybean Board. That's an organization that's throughout the whole U.S. of all the states that are soybean producing states have representatives at the United Soybean Board. And through that organization, I was appointed to serve on USAC, which is the U.S. Soy Export Council. And through that, I do a lot of promotion of U.S. soy in a lot of foreign countries. You've been on the road to at least a couple of international destinations lately. Tell me about those missions, Mike. Well, the one I was at just recently was Vietnam. It was a feed show. It was a feed show that brings in all the soybean meal buyers from all around Southeast Asia. There was over, I think, like 368 meal buyers. And with that, I gave a presentation on uh, things happening on our farm. I want to focus on the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council, or USAPEAK. You mentioned that. What is that, and how are you involved? That's an international marketing arm of the poultry industry, and I sat on the board of directors of that council. We uh, look at different areas in the world, areas that we can expand the marketing of U.S. poultry. Now, poultry is not just chicken. It's also duck and turkeys. That's one of the areas where we do have a lot of turkeys produced here. And then there's a processing plant. Uh, It's Dakota Provisions in Huron. So it's always good to try to promote things that are done in your state. But when you uh, sit on a national board, you have to look at the whole picture. And, you know, that saying, uh, a rising tide raises all ships. And that's totally true. Well, you've alluded to this, but what is a soybean person such as yourself doing on a poultry and egg related organization? Why would you be on USAPEAK? Well, when you look at the meal production in the United States, over 60% of the meal produced in the United States is consumed by poultry. So it's just a really good fit for us to 
help promote poultry. It's a way of marketing meal through meat. It does a couple things. It keeps the production of poultry in the U.S. at a higher level than what we can actually consume here. And it markets that meal through that poultry. Well, let's drill down a little bit deeper into why Yusuf Peak is so important to soybean growers. What's been your the level of success since you've been involved with Yusuf Peak? Probably the the success that our state works on is we do promotions in several countries like the UAE. That was a trade show that we did trade shows in a number of other countries like Peru. We do a lot of advertising in uh, Gambia. We also touch on an area where we work with Yusuf Peak and we have a past government employee that was the top health official for APHIS. And that stands for the USDA Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service. I would imagine that these trips are very educational, very informative and insightful. What have you learned during these missions to foreign poultry and egg customers? Probably the biggest takeaway that I have in going on these is how much confidence that foreign markets have in poultry coming out of the United States. They realize that it's the highest quality poultry in the world. And so if you can promote that, it's definitely a a big win for both us and those foreign countries. Well, after having served in this capacity for as long as you have and having been on multiple overseas missions, what's your favorite part of your service to soybean growers in in this respect? You know, probably the most favorite part of this is when you participate, like say, in a big promotion in a foreign country. It usually takes like a year to go back and look and see what's happened. And it almost always comes back to where we increase the exports of poultry and eggs to those countries that we do projects in. Of course, there's always those that you don't move the needle a lot. And then, of course, you've got to expect some of those won't increase. It's just marketing. Usapeak, by its nature, involves the export of poultry and eggs. But What's done domestically to strengthen the relationship between poultry growers and soybean growers? Domestically, I think probably it's the meetings that we have with all the poultry producers in the United States. We have three meetings a year. And with that, it's the industry people meeting up with all the other checkoffs. We're not the only state that helps promote poultry. Uh, There's a lot of states that are involved in promoting the export of poultry. And it's that collaboration that we have with all the producers and their needs. We get a real big bang for our buck and we really work at it very strategically. Along with promoting the exports of poultry and eggs, I understand that there have also been investments into research into high path avian influenza. First, what is that? And secondly, why is this research important? Well, high path avian influenza in the last two years have hit the poultry industry at a very high rate. And the strain that they have, it changes all the time. 
And so with the projects that we do, we put on seminars. Last year, we put one on in Africa. And what that does is we bring in Dr. John Clifford, who was the top APHIS veterinarian, along with APHIS officials. You put on these seminars and they go through very regimented steps and explain to all the other health officials from these foreign countries on the steps that the U.S. takes when there is an outbreak of it and how they identify the locations, they isolate the locations, and they actually destroy the the barns that are affected. What that does is it stops the spread of it almost immediately. And what we accomplish by that is these foreign countries will not ban the whole U.S. A lot of times they'll just ban it to the state that they have the outbreak in. And in the best case scenario, they only ban the county that is affected by the uh, avian influenza. These projects have been very, very successful in keeping the exports going. I think that's probably one of the best projects we've done in the past year. Very good. Between feed, food, and industrial uses, soybean demand seems to be coming from several directions now, Mike. From your standpoint, where do you see future demand coming from? And what makes you confident that there is going to be a place for soybeans? Well, there's been a a large shift in the crush in the United States. There's a big demand for the uh, sustainable biodiesel and sustainable aviation fuel what that has done is caused a lot of increases in the uh, crush in the United States. And with that, we almost definitely figure that there's going to be a, there will be, there will be a large increase in meal in the U.S. That will help increase the production of meat, whether it is poultry or swine in the uh, U.S., but it will also make soybean meal more reasonable abroad with a larger supply. So we feel that we can actually get into those markets that we've not been able to be competitive in. In that statement, you mentioned both poultry and swine. Let's talk about that. You said that poultry was connected to about 60% of soybean exports from the United States. That's pretty impressive. When it comes to both poultry and swine, which are both heavy consumers of soybean meal, which one is on top? Poultry is definitely on top. They're our biggest customer. They consume, and I don't know the exact number, but I think it's uh, like 61 or 62% of the meal that's produced in the U.S. is consumed by poultry. And that is broilers, turkey, duck, and the egg producers. We can't forget the egg producers. That's a large industry in the United States as well. Simply, Mike, why invest in Usapeak? Well, we invest in Usapeak because the poultry industry consumes over 60, uh, I think it's 61 or 2 percent of the meal in the U.S., It's a great way to market U.S. meal, whether it be chickens, turkeys, ducks, or eggs, into foreign markets. I was just recently in Vietnam. We were there for the feed show. Indiana had done a project with Vietnam, and it was very similar to the one that we did the prior year. They invited me 
to come with them when they had their, it was like their grand finale where they bring in all these chefs, top chefs, aspiring chefs that work in the hotel restaurants and different institutions. And they have a cooking contest. And it was so great to see how enthusiastic all those young chefs were with the U.S. poultry. It is just one of the better things that I've seen when it comes to teaching the next generation coming up. Being on this Usapeak and being involved, of course, in the South Dakota soybean checkoff, Mike, tell me, what is your impression of the checkoff itself? How enthused are you about the soybean checkoff in general? I'm really sold on the uh, the checkoff. Of course, I'm heavily involved in it, but without the checkoff, there's a lot of things that we would never have in the U.S. You look around in new uses, for instance. I mean, you've got soybean oil going into tires. It's going into uh, treatment of concrete and treatment of asphalt roads. It's in crayons. It's in candles. If you took a look at a picture of a kitchen in your home, there's probably at least a dozen things that there's soybeans in. Tell me about your farm, Mike. Well, let's see. Right now, we uh, are getting ready for harvest. Our machines are ready. The combines have been gone through. There's always some last-minute things that we try to do. I saw two combines going yesterday on higher ground. We were walking some fields, and we still have probably two, three days before we can run some samples. But we're looking forward to, a we think, an average, hopefully above-average crop. Our corn looks really good in this area. Uh, It's kind of hit and miss. Wherever the showers hit will be the best corn. And of course, where we had missed those showers will probably be on the lean side. But all in all, I think we're very, very optimistic. Mike, how has this growing season been where you are at Claremont? Has it been anything compared to the season before? And do you feel that you're coming out of the drought? There's never a season that's identical to the past. Last winter, we had, I think they said, the third most snowfall on record. So what did that do for us? Well, we had a very, very late spring. We had snow on the ground in May. In fact, when we started planting corn, we were going around drifts that were still not melted from the shelter belts. We had to come back and when when it finally melted and finished planting those areas. But I think we had like 15 minutes of spring and then it turned hot to summer. The crops that we had planted uh, grow very, very fast. We had a lot of flooding in the spring. We hung in there and planted right up to the last plant day, maybe even a day or two past June 10th. It's amazing how good those crops look. We picked up some timely rains. I know there's a lot of areas in the state that didn't get what we had up here. So I guess we're very, very fortunate. I've reached out to you a couple of times to arrange this interview. And I've caught you on travels to the far corners promoting poultry and therefore promoting soybean meal, of course. What do you like to do in your off hours? Mike, what are your hobbies? I'm not a big fisherman. I don't hunt except one time during the year. My sons and myself, we go pheasant hunting. That's probably something that we will continue to do as long as I can do it. We have a cabin at a lake. That is a kind of a nice thing to do to 
to get away from the uh, the stress of <laughs> agriculture, which I think all farmers will understand. There's a lot of stress when it comes to uh, getting a crop in the ground and, and uh, harvested in a timely fashion. You mentioned your sons, and this goes back to uh, the description of your farm, but where are you in the generational order of how long you've been on the farm and your sons, of course, coming up behind you? Well, I'm a fourth generation farmer and my sons are fifth generation farmer. My wife, Monica, who was not raised on a farm, came from the city. Her father was born and raised in the Claremont area. And we had the opportunity to purchase land that their family had. And so she actually purchased that land and set up her own farm. She has her own machinery. She does everything that I do on the farm, right down to marketing. Make a note that she is a better marketer than I am. She runs tractors. She runs combines. She does everything but run a semi. She does not like driving semis. Talking about my sons, I guess maybe we better say our sons. When they were young, we'd shovel out grain bins and stuff at the bottom of the bins. And they swore when we were in there shoveling out those bins that they were never going to farm. So that's fine. They went to college. One has a civil engineering degree and the other one has a construction engineering degree. I wanted them to stay away from the farm for two years at least before they decided to come back and farm. Neither one of them made the full two years. They got close, but neither one of them made it. It's really great to have that education behind those new generations coming in. They understand technology way more than I do. South Dakota Soybean Checkoff Director Mike McCraney, a fourth-generation farmer at Claremont, South Dakota. The Soybean Pod. Covering this incredible crop, those who grow it, and the many ways it's used is available wherever you get your podcasts and at sdsoybean.org. Brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. We're also on the air on the South Dakota Soybean Network. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Stever. Stever.